So we're just taking our time, as I like to remind us at the beginning of, of uh, whenever we're teaching, um, a little summary of where we're at. We, we are intentionally, slowly but surely, looking at the practices of Jesus. Some people call them habits, some people call them disciplines. What they are are the ways of Jesus, and we've been instructed, come follow me. Come follow me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit in our lives, uh, to become like Jesus. Um, he has chosen us. He tabernacles with us. Um, we are his representatives, his ambassadors, as Paul says. And so we need to train ourselves in his way. And we've looked at a whole bunch of things and we'll continue to go back to them. Because there's, uh, whenever we see uh, commands of Jesus or examples of Jesus, love compels us to action. Not just uh, knowledge, not just an appreciation, but love, if we do love him, calls us to action. And for some reason, the church has accepted it over many centuries, maybe certainly um, in our most recent history, to allow discipleship to be uncoupled from Christianity. What I mean by that is, it's okay for somebody to be a Christian and the lifestyle would be all over the place, and us to just offer grace, 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 grace. And yet, for the early believers and for believers who love Jesus throughout history, by the grace of God, they continued on their knees to follow Jesus, and it was costly because love. And so, we are intentionally going to continue to explore discipleship and a whole range of things because we are called apprentices of Jesus. And therefore, what are we doing with our life? So our meditation in God's Word, how are we practicing that? Um, in prayer, how are we practicing that? Not just last thing at night, first thing in the morning, but how are, as we're looking at today, how are we listening in a prayer? How are we getting practice in that? How are we practicing fasting? What is fasting? What is Sabbath keeping? What are we doing about that? Or are we just rushing through a life and not paying any attention to those things and leaving it up to other um, spiritual elites? So we want to continue to explore as a group of people who are called in this place for a time the ways of Jesus and what does it mean for us today? So therefore, how do we listen to God? How do we hear and walk it's in the way? And last week we explored a fair bit of that. And, and I want to continue that today. I'm going to read Psalm 139 first of all, just part of it. Starting from verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is in my tongue, you know it completely a lot. You hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. 
If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, and the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And I'll stop here. Let's pray together. Words of my mouth and meditation, my heart be acceptable to you, my Lord, my Redeemer, my Rock, the one in whom I trust. May we have ears to hear in a heart which is open. May we have ears to hear and not be rebellious. May we have ears to hear that you are a Father who has compassion and mercy on us every day. May we know that you are for us, desire to speak to us. Have fun with us, journey with us, both now and forever. I pray, Lord God, may we know. In the name of Christ, Amen. I apologise for my uh, cold. I'm just about to get a little, but I will. <coughs> the final night of Jesus' life, he said, Something, and I paraphrase, he says something like this and to his disciples. I'm going away, but that's going to make life so, so much better. We have in John 14, 15, and 16, I think that's how it goes, one long conversation between Jesus and his disciples. Wedged between uh, the Last Supper and the Garden of Gethsemane, this long dialogue where he just shares his heart and shares his prayers. It's very, very intimate time. And Jesus cracks a smile and he says something like this. My days here are numbered, but I'm going to send you my spirit. And that's going to be so much better. I can just imagine him with a, a wondering smile, just a, not mischievous, but just a, a smile with his eyes dancing with delight. And my days are numbered here, and I've been telling them that for a long time, but I'm going to send my spirit, and that's going to be so much better for you. So according to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is a staggering improvement to a direct face-to-face -face conversation with God in the flesh according to Jesus. I'm going away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and it's going to be so much better for you. According to Jesus, the Holy Spirit tabernacling, dwelling within us, poured out on men and women, free slave, Gentile, Jew, men women is so so much better than a face-to-face -face conversation with God in flesh i.e. Jesus. God's dwelling presence by his Holy Spirit is so much better than seeing him face to face. I know that's a staggering thing to say but as you and I paraphrase but as you read all of that dialogue with Jesus and his disciples tells them it's going to be better if I go away because you will come to these end times 
where you'll see all the things that the prophets only dreamt of. And even then, it far exceeds their dreams. It's going to change the world. But I think not many of us believe what Jesus was getting at there. I don't think many of I think many of us here, I could be wrong, but I, I'm hazarding a guess that many of us here would give up our experience of the Holy Spirit up to this point to be able to stand face to face and have a conversation with Jesus for even just one hour. So, are we show of hands? Honest show of hands. Who here would trade their experience with the Holy Spirit so far with a direct face-to-face conversation with Jesus for one hour? Who would be bold enough to put up a hand? Some. And I understand that because I think I, I, you look at the dialogue between Jesus and the disciples and we often think, how did they not get it? You see the miracles and the wonders and you wonder, why did that village not want them to stay? Why did Jesus have to just leave that? Why could he not perform miracles when he was feeding 5,000 men and so many other thousand women and children, when, when he was raising the dead, when he was sitting and teaching with authority that not even the, the, the scribes and the teachers of the law could teach with? Why did they not get it? And so I would love today to just sit from one chair to another and talk with Jesus and just see his face. I've had one encounter, one very clear encounter that I can remember of sitting at someone's feet and I remember it clearly when Manchester was with a bunch of people who were working for Youth for Christ and were visiting a guy and at that point I thought this is what it must feel like to sit and talk to Jesus. I don't even know the guy's name, I met him once, but he, he just, what he was saying and how he was loving us, that was the only time I thought, this is what it must be like to talk to Jesus. But I was so wrong, it would be so much better. Regardless of our, our background, regardless of our personality, our finances, our education, regardless of any of those sorts of things, most of us, may claim that we are underwhelmed by the role of the Holy Spirit so far in our lives. We hear of the Holy Spirit speaking to people and we wonder whether it will happen to us. We hear of, of the Holy Spirit, of God raising people from dead, read Beryl Shaw's book, chapter 13, and, and we wonder why it doesn't happen here. Where is the Holy Spirit? Why is the Holy Spirit not doing that sort of stuff? We hear of all of these things and many of us at times feel underwhelmed with this paraclete, with this enabler, with this helper. And I think that's an honest thing for us to admit. And need not stay there in disappointment. We can know the third person of the Trinity intimately. But it's good to be honest and to actually say it. We've heard of these things, we've been taught these things, but very seldom and we experience these things and possibly not even every single day. So as we consider the small, gentle voice of God, can I have the first slide up there, Andrew? As we consider the small, gentle voice of God and how he communicates to us, all the way through that, I'm going to be starting about the person of the Holy Spirit. 
Not the force of the Holy Spirit, but the person of the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to just ask there at the end, what might block us from hearing Him speak to us? There's one instance when I can remember where God clearly spoke to me. I was down in King's Lodge. It was maybe, a, uh, which is a YWAM, Youth of the Mission uh, Centre, uh, down in Leicestershire or somewhere down that neck of it. And um, I was there with Andy Kennedy, Doc Kennedy's brother, and it was a conference where a lot of the high teachers from YWAM were coming in and teaching. It was very exciting, very, very great teaching. And at some point, and I was there for kind of retreat, and at some point Andy Kennedy says, do you want people to do something to pray over you? Yeah. <laughs> of course, I've not a clue what deep praying is. I thought it was quite a strange phrase. But I said, yeah, yeah, I'm up for that. And so it was arranged, I booked a time. I went into the office. Um, sitting there with a man and a woman whose names I can't remember. And uh, they introduced themselves. And they were part of the YWAM team. And I introduced myself. And then they said, can we pray? And what we were going to do is we were going to just ask God if he would examine our hearts. And if there's anything that we need to repent, we're going to repent before one another in the presence of God. It was unusual, I hadn't experienced before. Um, so I said, yeah, let's go for it. And so I sat silently, because I'm here, I'm the subject, so I'm expecting things to happen to me, so these guys are praying. And I cannot remember again what they were saying, but I know they started to confess to in that room of, of the things that they believe are sinful in their lives. Uh, un, an unrepentant heart, they started to lay that down and confess it. Now I now know that what they were doing was they were examining to see if there was any barrier between God speaking to them by the Holy Spirit. And so they, they, they was, it was very, it was a naked experience. And, and it may have been five minutes. And at the end of that, that was it. And, you know, I didn't know from Adam, I didn't know who we were asking forgiveness, bad attitude and all of that. And then say, okay, then we're just going to ask God if he would uh, just give us impressions and our thoughts of what he wants to say to you. Now, I need to take this as these are people of integrity and that they're not trying to just capture me with some sort of spiritual abuse, some sort of scheme. But what they did was they just went silent for again, maybe five minutes, I can't remember. They both had notepads. Uh, clipboards they both had. One was sitting there, one was sitting there, and I was sitting in the middle, feeling quite weird, but it was all very quiet. And I'm doing the usual Christian pose. You know, I'll take it on, whatever you want to give me. And it, but it was so undramatic. And they, they stopped praying. And the silence stopped. And then they, they said, okay, what have you got? Nobody even talked to me. What have you got? And, and I meant to bring my brother this morning because I wrote this all down. It was something like the guy who did seven or eight things that he felt God by his Holy Spirit in his thoughts was saying to me. And the girl did seven or eight things. It wasn't exact, but it was within one. I've got seven or eight. Okay, let's read them. And they start reading them in order. But I tell you, there were six or seven things that were so bang on. Peter, do you need water? So I'll get there. And there were six or seven things that were so exact. 
And I remember there was one or two things that they would never, ever have known of. God was revealing by his Holy Spirit his thoughts to them because they have the mind of Christ. Who can know the mind of Christ? Who can know the mind of God, Isaiah said? And then Paul says, but we have the mind of Christ by his Holy Spirit. And so that is my, an incredible experience I had. I've written it down. I had a wee look at it the other day. It was quite incredible. But what they did was this, especially, they were making sure that there's no unforgiveness in their in mind, conscious sin, that was creating a barrier between them hearing the voice of God, the mind of God, the heart of God, the prayers or the thoughts of God in their mind. I know that to some people here that might sound a bit of a voodoo. But I think it's very biblical. And we explored some of that last week and we'll explore a little bit more this week. Unforgiveness, when it comes to hearing from God, can be like you are chained to the person that you have unforgiveness for. And guarantee all of a heart and a sore heart in regards to someone that we're called to forgive. We're called to love our enemies. It's brutally difficult. It's hard to forget. Um, some people take a lifetime to do so, but it does us no good. Simple command of Jesus is to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Otherwise, it's like being chained to them and you're dragging them through life. And my experience taught me that these guys from Y1 were praying for me was that it can create a barrier between us hearing God's voice. Because God speaks all the time. God speaks. And sometimes it's very difficult for us to hear. So how did God speak to the YWAMs at King's Lodge? Through an audible, booming voice? No, although God does speak. But God was speaking to them through their thoughts because they were the mind of Christ. So I want to say that the primary way that we hear from God is through our thoughts. Yes, God speaks through scripture. God is not going to reveal something new. There's no new re re revelation. God has revealed everything. As we sang um, um, uh, oh, oh, can't it says something like that song, that Jesus is enough, scripture is enough. God has revealed his plan, God has revealed his character, he's done it in scripture, he's done it in history. But God will, as we mull that over, will speak things into our thoughts. He will give us his thoughts. But we need to open that. Yeah, we need to memorize it. We need to fill our minds with God's word so that then he can use that to speak directly into our thoughts. So, yeah, God speaks through scripture, God speaks through dreams and visions, God speaks through our friends, sometimes God speaks through our enemies, we know from scripture that God speaks through a donkey, and God speaks audibly, God speaks. But I would say it seems mainly, and it is my experience also, that God mainly speaks, not through the big miraculous, although I am very open to that and desire it increasingly, but God speaks in a small, gentle voice, Minds. God mainly speaks to us in our thoughts.
psalmist, the psalmist says this, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. And even before we utter a word, God knows what that word is going to be. If we're taking uh, Psalm 139, uh, verse 4, as it is written, God therefore knows what we're going to think. Therefore, he must know our thoughts completely even before we say something. Sometimes we speak. We say, I've spoken before a thought. But that's not tr true. Maybe we need to slow down how we speak, especially if we speak in haste, and especially if we speak in anger. But whatever we speak, we process through our mind. And God knows those thoughts completely. And actually, before we've said anything, Hebrews 4, uh, verse 13, uh, tells us that no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. In other words, there is absolutely nothing hidden from God, neither your past, your present, or your future. Your thoughts, your innermost desires, God knows them. Because God is omniscient. Which means he is all knowing. He knows what we're thinking even at this point. If you're drifting away with your thoughts, if you're thinking what the heck is David saying now, if you're thinking about the land that's in the cooker, if you're thinking, God, what are you saying in this? God, share more depth of this with me. God knows all of those thoughts. It comes from the gut and it comes from the heart. He knows what we're thinking now and he knows what we think think in a minute and he knows what we'll think in the next decade. God is all knowing. That's who we worship. Not a regional God, not a God for a period and a time and a function. We worship the one and true living God who's above all things and yet is not distant. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I go to the highest heavens, you are there. The Orthodox Church have uh, studied that from the masters. The Orthodox Church have this belief uh, of uh, the descent of Christ, that when Christ uh, was crucified on that good Saturday, he descended to hell. They led captive a huge train and even preached to those who were unrepentant. A lot of that I don't believe. But that is what 200 million Orthodox believers in the world believe. And a beautiful thought from that is this, that even in hell, even in the darkest depths, there is a fragrance of Jesus. Whether you believe that or not, it's quite an interesting thought. That there is nowhere that God will go to redeem. I believe you'll have once and die and judge and I don't believe in post-mortem salvation. I'm just like that out there. But that's an interesting little thought. That for the last 1800 years, the Orthodox have believed that and continue to believe that. God is, um, He cuts across all time, all fabric of time. He is all knowing, He is uh, omniscient. He's not restricted to time or space. He's omnipresent. He doesn't need to catch up on things. He never says oops, as we say, because He knows all things, even before it happens. So, where can we go from God's presence? If he knows all of our thoughts, if I 
If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths of show, you are there. As the Orthodox believe in, in the great uh, Saturday that Jesus went there. God is everywhere. He's all present. He's omnipresent. If I take to the winds of the morning, if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, and even though in those extreme locations, the psalmist knows that even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand will hold me. Maybe even the prodigal, as Jesus tells that story, when he is, as a Jewish man, in the worst possible situation so far, from the hopes of his ancestors and his father in a pig pen eating the pods that were for the, the untouchable and the uneatable. Even there, scripture says he came to his senses. How far will the Holy Spirit go to get your attention, to speak into your mind, to draw you after a into more intimacy and hunger? God is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not blast you with thoughts and Maybe some sort of psychotic because it's nothing like that. He's gentle, he's loving, he's persistent, he's unknowing, he's everywhere. Where can I flee from him? So the point is there's no place to run, no place to hide, no place to go, no place to escape God. And as I said last week, all those who are born in Christ have the mind of Christ. From 1 Corinthians 2.16. I think God, therefore, is in our thoughts often, if not all the time, intermingling with our own thoughts, but often we don't hear them. Often we can't tune in. Often it's because, as my experience of, of busyness, of activity, of ministry, of pressures, of expectations, of desires which are contrary, maybe not fully contrary to the will of God in your life, but you put uh, those desires and those ministries and those passions before that of agape love uh, with Jesus. All of these things can drown out, just like the old wireless find it even more difficult to tune into the voice of God. Our challenge, therefore, is that we need to seek to hear. We need to tune in so that we can hear God's voice daily. Who here would not, uh, who here would not desire that? Whether it be through your morning quiet time, your afternoon quiet time, your evening quiet time, whether it be through the, the times of the day in prayer, whether it be even in the busyness of school or when a kid is hanging off your, your ankle. And all the pressures of work when you get time to expect what of expectancy on you. Who would not desire even in those moments to be trained in the practice of hearing God's voice? When everything around about you is so chaotic yet in your spirit you're still because you've invested the time to hear God's word. You've invested the time to fast. You've invested the time to take time away and you become accustomed to hear daily the voice of God. That is the experience of many of us in this, this room today. We celebrate that not because we are great or we are holy or we are a step above other people. Just because God is good and we desire to know his goodness more and to lean in and to hear and to revel. I think that's why Jesus says, I'm going to go and it's better for go because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. 
Because we know that at a certain point, God's presence came on the mountain of God. And he says to Moses, don't, keep, don't let anybody come near the foot of the mountain. Even if they step off their foot on, they will die. Animal, Israelite, they will die. Moses had to shield his face. Shoes are exhilarating tiring experience for Moses. And then God's presence journeyed with them in the, the tent and in the tabernacle. And then when David and then Solomon built David's plans for the temple and the, the presence of the Lord came, everybody knew where God was. Where's God? There was no question of that because they could see the presence of God. And when the chief high priest went into the holy of holies to offer the sacrifices, it was once a year, they tied a a rope around his ankle in case he was found to be in sin, would drop down dead and roll away where she could get him out so they dragged him out with a rope. Because that's what God's presence was, but we see it in Ezekiel. We see in Ezekiel that the presence of the Lord leaving because of the sinfulness of that place and going to where the vineyard were in Babylon. By the rivers of Babylon, I sat down and wept and remembered on Zion, that holy hill. But the temple comforted his Holy Spirit has been let loose and he's got laughter in his eyes. And you and I, male, female, Gentile, Jew, free slave, have been welcomed into the family of God adopted because of the work of Jesus on the cross. And by the Spirit confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, baptized in the Holy Spirit or in the old phrase in the Holy Ghost, can know the mind of God by the dwelling presence of God. We should be worthy of us to confess your sins. We should be victorious, although still having a thorn on our side. Forgive those who have done wrong to you. We should be people that walk up to a complete stranger because we're so overburdened by a deep impression to give a word to someone. We should be going to that person and saying, I know this sounds absolutely bonkers, but I think God has sent me to say this to you, even though I've got goosebumps even thinking about that. But we think that we're not good enough, and we remember all the ways in which we've fallen in the past. These are all ways in which the evil one eh, trips us up. So how can we hear a small, gentle voice? I've alluded to it time and time and time and time and time. There's a whole big checklist, and I've only put a few. We may call it sin, misplaced love, priorities, whatever it may be, but it's sin, pride, covetous, gossip, malicious thoughts, adultery, etc., etc., etc. Whatever it may be, that which we know has got nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, the kingdom has come, it's near, come follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. So here's some of the things. We need to ask ourselves, is the thought that we have heard, if we've opened our scriptures, if we're in a prayer time, and we suddenly have this weird thought come into your mind, and we'll try to work out, is that me just trying to be a, a spiritual elite? There's a line up with scripture. And I'm not just saying you pick out one tiny line out of context and think, yeah, it's from the Lord. There's a line up with the story of scripture. 
that thought? Or is it just you? And I'm okay with having workshops and stuff like this. And that sounds maybe a little bit like a classroom. How do we hear God's voice except if we don't practice and we're going to get it wrong a lot of the time? I know of one person who gave up a very lucrative job. You know, very lucrative because they felt God was saying to give up and go and do a job elsewhere and, and you'll realise your dreams. You need to give up the security blanket and go and do something else and it was a failure. With the original plans, was that the Lord's or was that them? I'm not getting an answer to that. I don't know if they even have. But through that experience thereafter of failed jobs and failed jobs and failed jobs and losing houses and stuff like that, the Lord did an incredible work in their life and it's ongoing. But I don't know if it was God saying that to them. I've not tested it. So we need to test as a line up scripture that thought. Is the thought bringing glory to God or is it just making you look great? the glory of God or are you just getting the limelight is the thought motivating me to more intimacy with God remember we're trying to work out is God speaking to me or is God not speaking to me therefore what's, is this thought drawing me closer to Jesus so we're called to go deeper and deeper and deeper and become more and more and more so do we can finish Jesus is. and does the thought fill me with peace Hearing God's voice, and we need to hear God's voice collectively and individually. And hearing, and there will always be faith, there will always be risk involved in that. Val and Nev, we're going to hear from them next week. But when God is called in away from Pernocchio, down to Penrith, and there's a lot of excitement in that, but there's a lot of fear and trepidation also. There's a lot of joy in that also sadness of leaving the church family. So there is cost involved. Just there is always cost to love Jesus. But the reward that we are promised is so much better and so wonderful. So persist. Persist in practicing to hear God speaking to you. That's what I wanted to get to at the end of last week. But I knew I needed another 30 minutes. Or more. It's a practice which I think um, we are all called to. It's a practice which I believe will have mistakes in it. Um, it's a practice that we need grace to one another because we're going to get it wrong. And we need to have a checklist to just make sure we try and get it right. Let's pause. I've landed the plane. I'm finished. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me. If I've spoken things which are not just things that you not say, have mercy on me, forgive me, but may anything that is of you and this, these, these thoughts, I pray that they would have such an impression that the cares of the day would not steal on me. We love you, we desire to honour you, we love you, we hunger to hear your voice, we hunger to be open more to the uh, activity of the hope of your spirit in our life, of your purposes in our life, and of your direction in our life. 
desire more than anything that we know more that we are prone to leave the God we love, that we desire more, more than anything to just follow in the, the fruits of our Rabbi Jesus, of our Saviour Jesus, of our Lord Jesus. Always for your